Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Well, the Patriots lost to the Broncos today, so I'm struggling. I'm reeling a bit. At least your team didn't get absolutely embarrassed by a team who could just barely get it together a couple weeks ago against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Green Bay did not look good after the first quarter. Yeah, it was atrocious. Like, watching the first quarter, I was like, great, Devontae Adams is going to run it up for my fantasy team today. And then, come hell and high water, Tom Brady always somehow comes out on top. It's just like a nightmare. Nightmare day. Because the fantasy team's not doing well either. (laughs) It's an overall struggle right now. And it's a rainy day here in Tulsa. Just just not how I wanted to spend my Sunday. No NBA games. I know, that sucks the most, right? It's like, oh, the season's actually over. Yeah. It's not like I have to go back to quarantine where I'm re-watching NBA Finals series. I think like Game 5 was on the other day on like NBA TV. And I was like, do I watch this actually? Because what else am i doing with my life right now <laughs> i might have to go back and watch like the early to like mid 2000s finals because i like haven't watched like hardly any of those just appreciate tim duncan appreciate tim duncan and appreciate you know like basketball now yeah it's not just like uh we're gonna pound it in the post and score 68 points to win the game <laughs> oh, God. like i think that i think so that I'm just gonna make go on a little tangent here because okay. this is fun. We haven't even intro nope. what this podcast is. So if you're new to this podcast, welcome in. It, it's like I would imagine what people were like after the wheel got invented, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god, what were we doing this whole time? Even though the the three point line was put in like back what like from now like almost 40 years ago yeah it was back when the aba and nba merged like, like shortly after that but it took like two three decades for the league to be like you know what we can shoot shots from not the block <laughs> we don't have to take these elbow mid-range jumpers we just saw like one of the greatest basketball players of all time do it over and over again. So we just assumed that was a really good shot. Just what you did, and it's like, well, turns out it's not a good shot for Kwame Brown. <laughs> God, <laughs> just out of nowhere, Kwame Brown. I have to um, bring these kidding. Lakers fans down just a little bit here and then after the win a championship. Uh, you need to start bringing up like Robert Sacre and like Ryan Kelly and other guys. Jordan Hill. Yeah, do like, we need to like bring up when? Uh, like the 2000, 2010 decade, like post Kobe Bryant, because I feel like we're at that point with Lakers fans where it's just yeah. getting out of control. We're like, remember you? You were starting Wayne Ellington. Um, <laughs> Shannon Brown was a thing, which I think Shannon Brown was a fantastic. Who was the guard from UNC? His last name was Marshall. Um, Kendall Marshall. Kendall Marshall. He was like the yeah. starting point guard. He was for like, like that. You're like wait. Are you an NBA player? And it's like, no. Oh, <laughs> it was not. like, for a second, I was like, oh man, he's kind of good. And then it, it was like, oh no, he's not good. It was like the Philly trust the process thing where it's like, you know, maybe one or two guys can like have an NBA career coming out of this. But we know like all these other guys, this is, this is their cup of tea. And then they're going over to Latvia to go play over there or something, right? And the Lakers, I mean, I off the top of my head, I can't even think of that many guys that ended up sticking for more than like an extra two years past their lakers run because they really just actually weren't good yeah <laughs> at, at an nba level they weren't good yeah lakers were a laughing stock there for a second 
But enough about making fun of the NBA champs. We can't do that for too much. Uh, I'm a Boston fan. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so we are uh, the Couch GM Podcast. If you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod and on Instagram at, at Couch GM Podcast. And give us a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice, and we would greatly appreciate that. Matt, we're on episode 84. What did people miss in episode 83? So that was our last actual basketball podcast because we talked about the Lakers eventually in six games um, emerging victorious as the NBA champions of 2020 in the bubble, um, taking it over the Heat, putting them away in game six. And the Heat made it a slight contest um, at in the fourth quarter. It really wasn't. Um, just that if you looked at the box score, it was. So congrats, I guess, to L.A. And then uh, we talked a bit about the Heat, um, them riding off to the Cancun sunset. Um, One, what, two, three, Cancun. And, and you know what? There are, there are worse things than that. So they gave a valiant effort, but ultimately they, just didn't, have the, they didn't have the guns yeah. for that fight against L.A. So I'm dying to know, you bringing up the Lakers 17th championship. Are you a 17th championship Boston Celtics fan, or they just won their 12th? So, there's, like, some weird legal things with Boston also, and, like, their ownership, when, like, the like way back, um, like, post-Bill Russell, with, like, the Buffalo Braves and things, yeah. too. <laughs> I was just reading about so, this. So, part of me says Boston's 117, and that's more than LA. Part of me is, like, I really don't want to have the conversation because I don't want to have to get into the legal jargon of the Braves and things that like aren't even a thing anymore. I guess you could argue the same thing with Minnesota. Anyway, <laughs> um, also, I saw Bill Russell in a Boston uniform. So, you know what? It said Boston on his chest. You know what? So I feel like that's the best argument I got. And I dare you to say something bad about Bill Russell. If you don't... If you he's going to give... He's going to just flip you off and say some words to you if you don't know about this theory there's some uh pockets of nba fandom specifically in boston that claim that the lakers the los angeles lakers specifically have just won their 12th championship not 17th because the so the five that they won in minneapolis don't count toward los angeles which it's it's a great point it's a great point do, do the atlanta hawks claim being champions when the st louis hawks Want a, want a chip back in the 50s? The I, know, I know the Thunder don't claim the, the Sonics championship yeah. back in the day. So I guess it's just loose and wild. It's a wild, yeah. wild west thing on championships yep. out here. Yep. You're like 50 years later putting up a banner in your arena. Feels weird. But we also saw OSU football kind of <laughs> do it. I was just about to say, like <laughs> um, almost like, like 100 19, years like, later. 48 or, yeah. or whatever. 1949. So like 80, 80 plus years later. So that's like, you know... I'm kind of like, I don't even, if you want it, you want it. That, that's my analysis. Okay. That's that's smart analysis. Yeah. That's what people tune in for. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, now that we're done bantering about random championship uh, things, uh, let's move on to the news. Because the NBA is about to get real dramatic real Spicy, quick. Spicy. This Ryan. is dramatic season. <laughs> it's like, we went like four days and like every addict, like, hardcore itching their arm was like give me something and the nba's like we got you <laughs> but yeah because there's not enough going on right now but uh let's start off with something i guess 
is not surprising. Uh, AD Anthony Davis will opt out of his contract, but then resign with the Lakers. That's the rumor, at yeah. least. Now, how long or what the structure of the contract is? Is he going to do the LeBron contracts, the one and one type deal, the two and one type thing? So it's LeBron still has to be determined. Two years left on his deal. I would imagine he'd do a two plus one. So, I don't. You know, I really don't know. I really don't know because if it's all about maximizing money, and after the ten-year career mark is when you can get like that super max, that like extra super max, um, you just structure it to give yourself the option then. So he's got like some decisions to make, but it's going to be with the Lakers for the next year or two. Like we know that for certain. Yeah. yeah. It's just what past that like what's the structure of the deal ultimately crazy the guy said i'm not going anywhere but la in free agency and then wins the championship in la is like hey you know what i'm not changing my mind because i might want to win another you know i might want to win another three who knows uh so and other news coaching news we finally have a coaching coaching hire yeah i know we're not just talking about it and we're staying in la yeah, Cl- Clippers hired Ty Lue as their head coach on a five-year deal. A, a long, long amount of time. It's a long deal for a guy who hasn't really coached anybody but LeBron. Yeah, and it's like, right, and he leaves Cleveland, it's like, where are you going to go? Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, Ty Lue, I, I think it makes sense for the Clippers to come over. He was an assistant this year, the top assistant for the Clippers for Doc. So it makes sense. You don't really have to relearn necessarily a certain style. You're familiar with Should the guy. Should know the tendencies of yeah. Kawhi and Paul George and them of Ty Lue's also. Yep. So like, there's some um, chemistry, I guess, already there for a team that uh, was apparently lacking chemistry down the stretch of their season. So that's probably a good thing. I think Ty Lue will hold his team accountable, too. Not saying yeah. Doc Rivers didn't. I think he's a pretty highly accountable or a high accountability type of guy. But it feels like Ty Lue coming from just like the, a more recent player might be able to hold yeah. someone like Kawhi in check more. Because well, he did that with LeBron. Yeah. And I also think with Doc, he was like kind of getting pulled two ways. He had yeah. Pat Bev, Lou Will, Montrez. Like, we were successful without this guy and, and all that. And then in the next year, then they bring in Kawhi and Paul George, and it's like no, you need to embrace Kawhi and Paul George for what they are and build your team around that. But like they never let go of that first team, really. Besides Tobias and Danilo Gallinari, which they had to do. So it was kind of like this: like what what are we? And like which group of guys do we embrace? What style do we embrace? Doc was like, I've seen success with, or I've experienced success with one group, and I know what it, success can come with this new group. But he like he couldn't merge them this year, and if your concern was he wasn't going to be able to merge them again, then I guess I like you get why you move on. Also, the three one lead thing happened again. If that didn't happen, I I wonder if he still had his job. Like if they just lost, like oh, if they lost the the Lakers in like the Western Conference Finals, just yeah. like straight up like game six or seven. But it was like a good hard fought series, no three one thing. I I think he's still the coach here. Yeah. But, so that's why it's like you make a move because of what happened happened but it's not like so dramatic that like you're rocking your franchise to the core it's just a good move yeah and you just hope that's enough yeah hopefully gets them over the hump at least the western conference finals because they haven't been at there least yet. um so the houston rockets 
God, there's no <laughs> there's no other way to transition to this. But on the same day as the Clippers news, the Rockets announced Daryl Morey is stepping down as GM. This might be the <sighs> biggest like shockwave across NBA Twitter. Like this guy's been with the Rockets for 13 years. Yeah, and I mean, really done some incredible work with them too. Like yeah. it's not just like James Harden fell into their lap. Like he went out and got him. Yeah, and then. You know, say what you will about the Chris Paul thing. Went out and made it work, happen. And then after James Harden was like, get him out. I mean, he found a, what's probably, at the time, at the time definitely, was like the best option. Looking back, maybe you want to redo. But at the time, it was the best option. And especially it's what James Harden wanted. So you've built this team the way your star wanted. You went out and got guys that you knew would make your star happy or make the team better you wish it would have been both of those but like he did everything you could do in yeah. houston to like make them a championship team and he almost did it that's i think that's the thing to put a uh, note about maury's tenure is that i mean the rockets were the only team who didn't punt during the golden state era yeah like they actually tried to win and like they, and we're dang close they, they, yeah they, they they fell short there may be a Chris Paul injury away from being in the NBA Finals there. Yeah. And then everyone, like, validates what they're doing and tries to copy it. Yeah. And while teams have semi-copied it, it hasn't been, like, to the massive degree that happens when you win a championship. Yeah. Uh, like, I, like, think it's, like, important to note that, but at the same time, like, they also missed 27 threes in deciding Game 7. That's not on Daryl Morey. It's not on Daryl Morey. But also the players who are around, like they, unfortunately, like this team's kind of just at us at a roads now, right? Yeah. Like because of how things have played out, yeah. how he was super aggressive about going and getting stars, which right or wrong, you can criti- criticize the st- stars he went out and got. What, however, you want to dissect it. Now it leaves the question of like who wants this job, where you have no draft picks going forward. You have no draft picks. You have no draft capital. Your cap space is essentially zero. Because you're paying Westbrook and Harden a gajillion dollars. And on top of that, your next tradable assets like Eric Gordon, and who has just been like atrocious. He's for... been hurt, and then when he's played, it's like either like, oh yeah, Eric Gordon, or it's like, ooh, Eric, Eric Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. There's no like like and the rest of it is just minimum guys. Like there's no Amazing. no really like you're like praying Austin Rivers will like come back for two million dollars next year. Like that's like one of your next best assets you have yeah. slash players for you to even put on the floor. You're hoping PJ Tucker decides to stick around. Like that's that's another and he like thing. just doesn't demand out like I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, because like, he could to be like I'm tired of playing center for this team this is awful i did not come here for this i don't want to uh, stop making me guard anthony davis for 48 minutes please yeah no it's it's not not good for me i mean he's trying to win a chip right because he's like 34 or whatever yeah, he's older but he's like i can go do a much simpler role somewhere else and still possibly win a chip yeah it that's the thing about this rockets gig now is that you're kind of left the pieces after Maury has left, and now that D'Antoni's gone, of these engineers who kind of came up with this... Very specific style. Yeah. Super small ball, ISO heavy. I mean, it's what James Harden wants, so that's what you're going to give your superstar. Yeah. The question is, like, how... Because Maury and Harden had such a good relationship, how does this GM, or whoever takes this job next, 
really kind of push his will into what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, he wants to make an imprint on this organization. How does that play into this whole thing? Does it significantly limit your, like, pool of candidates if you tell them, like, before they even come to the interview, you've got to still play a really small ball? Maybe it's not micro ball, like they kind of set up, but you've got to still play significantly small. And what if most GMs are, like, still not down with that idea? Because we watch the draft every year and see guys picking four centers in the top ten. And you're like, why? What are we doing here? And, like, three of them don't even deserve it, but they're big. And you're like, ah, oh, you're seven feet tall, so we're taking you. And so it's like, that's just how a lot of GMs think still. Yeah. Now, like, don't get me wrong, some have gotten more creative and, like, flexible with how they do things. Not just, like, deal structures, but, like, the players they bring in. But, you know, who who would embrace it to this degree? And then also the conversation of... Who do you bring in first, a coach or a GM? Because I, if you don't bring in a GM first, when you eventually do bring one in, he's like, this isn't my coach. I don't want this guy. And then you got to fire a coach? That sucks. You got to pay him a bunch of money. Yeah. But if you have to bring in a GM first, you might have to take some time because you just fired, or your GM just left, and so you haven't had time to look for a GM. And by that time, are all the good coaching candidates gone? <laughs> It's like, this is just not a good thing for Houston. Like, no matter almost any way you spin it. Like, I don't... <clears throat> D'Antoni leaving was one thing. Maury leaving on top of it is just a disaster now. Yeah. Yeah. I saw something about Maury staying on to maybe find his replacement slash coach, like, as an advisor to the team. That's cute. Which is fine, I guess. But you really... Like, are you promoting within, then? I guess... Like, that's kind of the thing, is, like, how are you... I just, I don't know what this team anymore. Like, yeah. it's, like, a team that has been pretty steady, like, especially from a front office perspective, all of a sudden feels like the boat has, per- yeah. like, just shifted so hard. Um, it's going to be an interesting kind of... I don't know what to do with this Rockets yeah. team anymore. I think if if this decision wasn't tied to Ty Lue not choosing them then this decision should have happened like a month ago to give you time to do this gm search but if it was tied to Ty Lu, you better I, they obviously didn't just offer him enough money then and the owner was being cheap because if like daryl morey staying was dependent on Ty Lu coming there what i we don't know how much the clippers offered him necessarily because that didn't get announced but whatever it was the houston just refused to match it and i think like when you were thinking about how much money you want to pay Tyloo, you should have also been thinking kind of saying with the Clippers when they were trying to get Kawhi and Paul George of like you got to do one to get the other so if you want to keep Daryl Moore you got to pay Tyloo. yeah however much money he wants and obviously the Houston Rockets just weren't willing to do it and not the worst thing but this is like the ripple effects this is kind of the stuff like why I don't trust Tillman Fertitta as an owner because <laughs> like I don't know if you thought that all the way through yeah like is this team just gonna like what is is James because like he had such a strong relationship with Daryl, like does he just want out now? Harden look around and be like, this is this is not what I signed up for. We're talking about PJ Tucker. Yeah, James Harden's like I'm not going through a big change here. I'm trying to win a championship because I'm like already 30 years old. 29, 30, yeah. 31. And Westbrook's yeah. that same thing of like I'm not sticking around here for someone who doesn't know how they want to do this. They like they're trying to win tomorrow now. Can either of those guys get traded for reasonable, you know, trade packages? Harden, yeah. Westbrook, no. 
So, like, the thing with Harden, if you're going to trade him, and I don't know if Houston would ever, ever would, is that you would have to get a King's Ransom for him. Like, you would have yeah. to get, like, a Paul George-style deal. Of deal. Basically replenish your entire draft again. Yeah. And I just, I don't know what team there's not that where a, Harden wants to go would do that. Yeah, there's not a lot of teams who just kind of have that draft capital. Yeah. And that's the tricky part, is, like... You have to have the draft capital and then the contracts to match that. So you kind of have to be in a bad contract situation. Let me think of a team. Um, the Knicks? <laughs> right, That this is kind of screaming for it. Right. Like, like that's RJ, is- Frank, Kevin Knox. I mean, whatever salary you need to make this work. And then, like, four future first-round picks and a pick swap. Yeah. Like, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. And the Knicks would probably do it. But, oh, the Knicks would do it in a heartbeat. It's the rock. Because it's like, James Harden. Are the, is like, if Tillman Fertitta isn't willing to pay Ty Lue X amount of dollars, is he willing to pay X amount of dollars to make the team better to be a championship team? No. No. And that's like, the, ex- like, excessively going to the tax and, like, the repeater tax. That's no. the kind of, like, if I were interviewing for this GM role, to be abundantly clear, I'm not even close to interviewing for this yeah. GM role. <laughs> uh, just like those are the questions I would ask. Yeah. Like, what am I really getting myself into? Yeah. Am I even though the caps, you know, X amount, whatever they announce it to be, is my actual amount like one ten? Yeah. Not not one twenty, one thirty, one forty. Is it is it one ten? Okay. Well, we're at one ten five players ago. Right. So like, <laughs> you know, what do I have to work with here? Right. And then, like, it's even the little things that the Rockets seem to have done so well over the D'Antoni era is, like, take these scrap heap guys and turn them into... Daniel House. Daniel House. Austin Rivers. Right, Ben McLemore. Ben McLemore. is like, you're asking them to play a specific role. You get a GM and a coach who can't necessarily cast that sort of vision for what roles are on the team. Ben McLemore look like Sacramento Ben McLemore again, then? Yeah, exactly. And the answer's probably... And then you're asking guys to do things that they just shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And at the point, like, it's just not going to work. And yeah. James Harden's going to get pissed. Russell Westbrook's going to get pissed. And that's... It's the bridge you burned for yourself. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. No one else did this besides the Rockets. They did it to themselves. Yeah. You want to blame Ty Lue? All right, he can get half a percent of blame. But that's it. If you're a Houston fan. This is all self-inflicted at the end of the day. Yeah, this... I saw a tweet thread of just, like, Houston heartbreaks <laughs> within the last, like, four years. Shout and, out Bill O'Brien. And it's just rough. Yeah. It's rough. Anyways, enough Houston poking at Houston. We'll talk more about, like, full team breakdowns and, like, what they need to do and, like, what we would do for them in coming weeks. we but, got a long time to do it. Yeah, because <laughs> at this point. not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> would you, so, like, the dates being floated around are... I mean, December's not happening, straight up. December's not happening. But it, for some reason, the 18th is, like, a day, like, each month that the NBA, like, weirdly set on of, like, January 18th, February 18th, or March 18th. I don't know why, but, in, like, the draft is November 18th. But anyway, out of those three options, Ryan, January, February, March, what do you think? When's so, by betting back? on a month, is that what you're sure, asking? Sure, let's bet on it, and then what do you want? Okay. So, if the... I would bet money on it's March. I want it to be January. I think January is perfect time for think, them to yeah. start a season. Football's over, essentially over. There's only a couple couple games left of the NFL season. 
uh, playoffs. And that's just like kind of the time to capitalize. It's like, oh, well, sports are dying down. Like, let's capitalize on this. I think February and January would be my answers. Yeah. Now, like, if LeBron James walks into Adam Silver's office with a mask on and says, we're not playing till March, Adam Silver will announce to the league, we're not playing till March. <laughs> but, you know, like, if it's also like, okay, by February 18th, you would have had four months off. Yeah, okay, that's not that different. Well, the hang-up we keep hearing about is that owners want to recoup their money, so they want to have fans in the stadium. And the longer you push it out there, the probably better the chance you can get fans in there and sell tickets. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, testing. They w- The league really wants testing to come along so that it's instantaneous, yeah. like a mouth swab, and you can tell if you're positive or negative yeah. right at the door. And that way you can... That takes stuff. time. That takes time. And who knows... I mean, I, I would Four like... Four months from now is a long time. It is. It's crazy to think we're in this... We just got in this whole, whole Rudy Gobert coronavirus thing six months ago. That's crazy. Almost like seven now. Yeah, it's almost seven now, but I mean, it's just... It's time, right? Like, you take another four months and things might be better. Yeah. So they probably have like three months to make a decision, though. Like... In three months, like January, mid-January is when they got to say, like, we're starting either in February to give teams, like, a month notice or say it in January, like, okay, we're not going to play till March. Here's your two month. And, like, that's that's why I think mid-January is when they'll give a decision. Mm-hmm. I wish that's when they'd start mm-hmm. play. Yeah. But that's not happening. It's yeah. not. I think the beginning of December they're going to have to make, like, make a decision. Like probably look at themselves in the mirror and be like, we have to make a decision. I'd like to think so, because they can't like. I think also they. I I also wonder how full full of a season we get. If it's eighty two, I don't think it'll be eighty two. I don't either, because I think they want to get kind of back on track. I think it goes till the regular. Like I think it's like a short and condensed season. Lockout year. Lockout year. That's not the worst thing. If you can get in fifty plus games, fifty five games, something like that. The things that the players and the NBA Players Association are going to complain about are the back-to-backs, because I think there'll be more of the back-to-backs. If they don't shorten it, then yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then you're traveling again, which is hard. Yeah. There's a lot of good points for both sides. For February or March. Yeah. And I, I don't envy Adam Silver for that decision. Yeah, it's going to be a wild one. Also, the other thing that's interesting... Before we get into this draft stuff, we're just kicking this. Down yeah, that's the road. right. Uh, is the the I guess there's this like financial decision that's looming over the league, and I guess that no one has really talked about because the bubble has been going so well. And I didn't even realize this was a thing until I think Windhorse brought it up on one of his podcasts. It's like the players, like this fifty fifty split between the players and the owners, like. Within the CBA. Within the CBA, like, they have to make a decision on, like, how all that shakes out. Yeah, basically, like, are they, like, going to semi-renegotiate things? Yeah. Are they going to, like, go back? And it's it's hard because owners are like, we've got to bring in money. Especially, like, the teams that, like, want to go over the tax. Like, if we can't bring in fans and generate $20 million in ticket sales... I can't go spend $150 million on a payroll this year right. and pay repeater tax. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's not an option for the team then. And so it's like someone, whether it's players or owners, like someone's got to give. Yeah. With like, 
where's the money going? Because eventually it's just the money's getting spent. It's just where's the money going initially to eventually maybe either help your team or just like line your pockets. That's a hard discussion. And again, don't envy that to talk at all because I don't like talking about another man's money. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird thing. Like this whole financial thing. I'm no financial savant by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I, it's going to be a weird situation coming up all, the NBA. All I got is scared money don't make money. That's all I know. <laughs> That's what I got for you. Sam Presti special right there. <laughs> Something like that. Hey, it worked for him. Anyways, we've prolonged this enough. We're talking about draft today. Yes, this is my favorite. We this are exactly one month out. As of recording, we are one month out yeah. from the from the NBA draft, which is wild to think about. It's going to come up really quick. Yeah, and then some sometime we have free agency starting, which is still just the cra- craziest thing. I can't believe they haven't figured that out yet. That's, that's <laughs> wild. I think that's the reason i meant to bring that up was because i think that's the thing holding up free agency is that whole cba thing we were just talking about i i would like to think like the day after thanksgiving they would just get it going but you're right if the cba and money and revenue income for tv deals and you know tickets is still like super in flux then yeah they probably can't start free agency thank god it's not a great class but still there are teams who are wanting to spend money or make deals I mean, there's some some teams who I'm sure are convinced are going to get a meeting with Anthony Davis. Because <laughs> he's opted out. Like right? the Bulls. Like, they have to convince yeah. themselves because they were rumored a couple years ago. Anyways. Anyways. Beside the point. We're not <laughs> talking about free agency right now. It's to, to be determined. Yeah. Today, we're focusing on prospects more in-depth than others, but we'll also uh, talk about team needs and how prospects can fill them. Um, yeah. Matt, do you want to break down how you're talking about this? Because Matt's leading this discussion. Yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, listener. I'm speaking directly to you now. <laughs> yeah, you're like Joe Biden right now. <laughs> <laughs> A little fireside chat within the podcast here. I don't watch college basketball because I believe the product is garbage and NCAA. <laughs> I believe that NCAA is a bunch of crump, bi- corrupt people taking billions of dollars away from young athletes. Now, I do watch college football, and I absolutely am a hypocrite (laughs) in that. But for college basketball, that's my stance. At least... Rant end. At least when Clemson puts up 73 on Georgia Tech, you're, like, entertained. Pretty much the whole time, still. Yeah, there's something about a foul being called every time down the floor that just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know what it is. You know, um... I, I struggle watching college basketball a lot, still. Even though I love it for the sake of the draft. And, of course, we all love March Madness. Yeah. But, you know, game 1 through 28 is just brutal. It's rough. Um, so, I, I watch, not not for the joy of college basketball, necessarily, um, but for, like, what, what guys stand out from an NBA standpoint. Like, who has skills that it's like, oh, you could go do that at the NBA, either tomorrow or, like, reasonably projected into the future. So I've been I, I do this like throughout the year like I just update drafts like big boards and and um, position rankings and so on that positions I don't write out five positions because so many teams don't care about that anymore um, like Oklahoma City playing three point guards like as their best lineup or Indianapolis going uh, two bigs 
like with Sabonis and, and Turner. Philly going no guards. That's that's interesting. It doesn't work, but it's interesting. <laughs> and then Houston doing the opposite. Houston going no bigs. Yeah. Like so, what I do is I I have four categories of position guards, they, guys who guys who handle the ball a lot. Wings, those are these are usually more of your scorers or your elite players that ultimately win you championships, um, or have that potential. Forwards, semi in that same category but larger, and then bigs, guys who it's like I like you best fifteen feet and in. Um, so that's kind of where I I'm at positionally is I I take it from that perspective, and just throwing it out there now. Wings and forwards are infinitely more valuable. Now, a guard who is legitimately great is also in the discussion. But it's it's hard as a guard to get into the elite discussion. Guards and for or wings and forwards, I'm more lenient. Um, bigs, sorry about you. <laughs> like again, like I I uh, just popped in earlier into the conversation. Some GMs still love to draft bigs yeah. in like top five. Yeah, yeah. I. I mean, it better be like Carl Anthony Towns. And if it's I mean, not, it's got to be like a Joel Embiid type yeah. of talent. Right? And if it's not, then you are maybe going in the top ten for me. Like, yeah. we'll we'll get to bigs on another day. So what we'll do, since we have a few weeks going into the draft, today will be a guard focused conversation. Week after um, wings, after that forwards, after that bigs, and then we'll have probably about one more weekend, assuming we're able to record every weekend. Um, and that'll kind of probably be something mock drafty um, going into the couple days before the draft on November 18th. So today's guards. And so we'll kind of, I have it by tiers more than anything. Um, I mean, I'll give my opinion on who I like more within the tiers, but I kind of have it broken up into tiers from here on guards. Really, it's three tiers of guys that are first rounders. And with guards this year, there's a billion of them. And it's kind of a problem because there's not a lot of teams that need like ball handlers because everyone if you're good now can dribble yeah. like if you're playing at the nba level like as a starter you can dribble so you know the the six foot point guard just isn't a thing anymore like the guy who just like the ricky rubios of the world you're just not as valuable anymore because they don't need teams don't generally need guys who are just like your best skill is passing yeah and like your next best skill is getting out of the way like (laughs) (laughs) well like that's the thing i think to interject here is like when you're team building like it's nice to have that playmaker ball handler but like it's kind of in a specific role right i think that's the point you were alluding to like the clippers kind of need like another ball handler playmaker outside of Kawhi and paul george yeah whereas like if you're building a team from scratch like let's say the knicks it's really hard to like justify drafting guy number one overall that can just really dribble and pass when you're yeah you need so much scoring dribbling passing rebounding defense defense all the above yeah Uh, and so that's why with some of these so we'll we'll talk about the prospects like who they are what they do well and we'll also mention for each one like teams that like they would fit well mm -hmm. um or teams that might draft them even if they don't fit well they might just draft them anyway because they're who they are again shout out new york um but that's kind of how the discussion will go and it's nice to in my opinion to do it this way because with free agency so up in the air we don't know how it's going to go we don't know if teams are really going to be able to spend or guys are going to be leaving much i could you know we're we've talked off air 
could be a lot of like just one year deal. Like, let me stay for an extra year. Give me my, you know, X amount of dollars. If it's a, a lower guy, give me my $5 million. I'll stay. Or like a Gallinari, you know, if the, there's just not a market for him because who knows with the market. If it's just like, okay, so you give me a one for 20. Yeah. Okay, so you might be like, sure, whatever. And like, you just end up staying. Even though it probably just shouldn't, you just end up staying. So without knowing all that and how it's even going to remotely shake up, um, we'll, just, we'll just get into it. We'll, we'll get here. We're, we're here now. We're, we're here. Guards, tier one, top five guys, star potential. So you get here in this list, you have two guys. Yes. Killian Hayes and Lamelo Ball. Yeah. Couldn't botch those names. Because no, I, I, I was practicing off-air with some of the names we're going <laughs> to get to, and it was bad. So, with these two guys, what sucks is that neither of them played college basketball. So, like, most people didn't get to see them. Killian Hayes played professionally in Germany this past year. He's grown up in France, played professionally in France for the last several years. Um, and this past year, moved over to Germany for a pro season there. Lamelo. We all know Lamelo, though. Um, good, bad, and different. We all know Lamelo. He wasn't eligible to play college basketball because he got paid in Lithuania before, and so after he came back to the United States and did that whole deal, he, hold on, you're saying Zion didn't get paid at Duke? Oh wait, that's mm-hmm. right, he did. <laughs> Again, we'll, we'll let Ryan. Um, we'll mute the mics later and let him just go on his NCAA tangent. Um, so if there's a 20 minute, just like why is there no sound on? That's what it is. Um, so he had to go over to Australia this this past season um, and played for Illawarra, the literal worst team over there. But we'll get to him in a moment. I, I want to start with Hayes. Um, so what we'll do, again, what I'll do, it's like a nice two or three sentences, who he is, what he's good at, what he's not good at, and then the team thing. So Killian Hayes, if you haven't got to watch, again, one, all these guys, go YouTube, please. Um, I know YouTube, like, 30-minute clips isn't enough, but it's something. So lefty i love a good lefty um also that's my kind of guy um again technically born in florida but his dad played professionally in france so he basically lived his whole life over there um and mostly recently played in the german league he's a really nice shooter uh he's got a a nice step back like it's a very Mm. clean nba step back um he's a i would say he's a good distributor i wouldn't say he's great but he's super comfortable in pick and roll um great at throwing lobs out of the pick and roll uh, as well as finding corner shooters. Now, if he could get some corner shooters that could make shots, that'd be really cool. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, he, he can find those guys for sure. And I really like his frame. He's about 6'5", 210. Um, so it's it's well filled out, but still some more room for improvement. A good, good wingspan, I would say it's probably close to about 6'8". So not the longest arms in the world, but you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest, like, you need a 6'11 wingspan as a guard to succeed in NBA. Like, I don't like the Shea mm, like thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, you don't need that. You just need like longish arms. And he's got that. And he definitely has room for improvement still. So like he needs to get better going right. Like he, he so much favors the left hand. And while I don't hate that, cause he can do things with his right hand. It's just like, he has to get comfortable doing it in a game. More. Yeah. Um, as well as on the defensive end, he's he's like an okay defender, like at the NBA level. It's probably a negative, at least right now. I, I think there's potential for it to be like at least a neutral. So him. is he like a bad pick and roll defender? Like what do you see? What is it? So like bad it's movement? not like he like falls asleep okay. or anything. It's it's more just like 
he puts so much effort in offense mm. that like you know defense it's like an afterthought yeah. like it's not like he's i'm like i'll talk about Lamelo. like he's just like not trying it's like why am i going to run around three screens because that's how they do it in europe is everyone <laughs> runs around screens all day why am i going to run around all these screens and like actually contest or like give a good closeout like i'll just run through it or something now he's good about like as an off-ball defender when he's just kind of there he doesn't have to do a ton like jumping passes getting steals but it's not like put him on a guy and like trust him to lock up at all yeah there's nothing like that and i wouldn't expect that from a top tier guard because i can't think of a top tier guard in recent memory that like is like definitively like that coming into the league right that, that's just not a thing yeah. so yeah it's not like a huge negative i would say so i'd say going uh into the league teams that would work with him would be teams that have a bit of a defensive identity already that he can just like play a role in on that end and then i think he fits in well offensively just about anywhere because he can catch and shoot i and like i said he can do creation out of pick and roll i don't know if he'll ever be like the number one option though Mm. and that's with i don't have in any of my um positions anyone that like i'm like this is a number one guy in his future like the highest i've anyone ranked is there are numbers like a really good number two or three so no one in this draft's a number one guy to me so as like a secondary creator or like a spot up guy i think he's good the shooting percentages vary a bit um year to year league to league honestly like whether it's euro league or like just playing the german league that's a little concerning from three but I watch the shot and I'm like, this is a good shot. Yeah. Like it's a it's a clean looking shot. It's a good looking shot. Again, he's shown enough to me. Like I think he's shooting at the NBA level. Maybe rookie year it's in the lower 30s, like 34. But I'm pretty confident that like by the end of the rookie deal, it's closer like 37 from mm. three. Mm. And like okay, 37 percent three point shooter out of the pick and roll. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can you can build on that. And so teams that I think he'd either fit well with or teams that would take him. Um, I think the Warriors would actually be a really nice fit for him. Okay. Because I mean, I'm not going to do this for every team, but like him and Steph. Okay, so they're shooting everything and Clay too, right? Clay kind of has to bump down to the three, or they can bring Hayes off the bench because they need depth so desperately. <laughs> they do need depth. Yeah, and the bench. I think bench would make a ton of sense for that type of player. Uh huh. And kind of be like a second unit yeah. guy who that fits in well. He's kind of the future there. So it's like you're not going to be asked to run the offense in Golden State, which I think is like probably good for him developmentally. Mm. And then playing next to Clay and Draymond, and uh, they're usually pretty good. Like whether it's Kevon Looney or whoever, like they usually have a pretty good defensive center. And I trust Steve Kerr, so I think like he's yeah, Steph's always going to be the worst defender out there. But if he can learn from Steph how to be like not an awful defender, I think that's really good for his career. Um, and they have the number two pick. So, like, it's within the realm of, like, where he should be getting picked. Now, there are other teams like the Knicks or Detroit that could take him. I don't love his fit there because I think they're going to ask him to do way too much too early. But he's played professionally for the last five years, so maybe he can do it. Like, yeah. he can step in and, like, hold his own. And and I think there's a lot of merit to that. Now, teams that I could see, like, trading up, like, if they want to get that top five top seven eight because i don't think he's getting past eight um 
that like he would fit well in if teams wanted to give up something and then have him fill that spot that role for them i think spurs pelicans magic pacers if they were willing to move off like oladipo and move brogdon to the two i'd like that a lot um bucks if they are willing to to move up that probably involves a bledsoe or middleton deal but and then the raptors uh my favorite um mock trade is raptors being like we're moving off kyle lowry mm. golden state here's kyle lowry <gasps> here give us number two. Oh my and it might ha- you probably have to do something like wiggins and the number two for kyle lowry and the number 29 and, and something sort of something like that there. pick swap and player swap there <clears throat> to get killian hayes um That'd be and fun. put him with fred van fleet and og ananobi and pascal siakam that's in my heart i think what i want <laughs> I, I know it's probably not going to happen but in my heart that's what i want to happen um but those are some teams like they he fits the idea of like he's probably not the best player on that team ever yeah he's probably never on any of those teams like the number one ball handler even but He's a great secondary option as a ball handler. He fits in. He gives spacing, and he can probably be competent on the defensive end. Which for a lot of those teams, yeah, uh, that that definitely works. Now Lamelo as the other tier one guard is not. I'm not saying he's the flashiest player just because he's the most social media. Um, Bleacher Report loves this guy. Yeah, like highlighted guy. Like his game really is like that just style of play um push he's run. yeah he he is incredible in transition um he's he's a better passer than hayes like i know that for sure um he has awesome vision he makes a ton of passes again he was playing on the worst team in australia and that team i mean do you just look at the roster there's like no nba guys there like aaron brooks was on that team but like he didn't really play with Lamelo. um there's there's no one on that team um for him and so he can definitely be a microwave scorer but to be a microwave scorer you also have to take some bad shots to like get yourself going sometimes and he takes a lot of bad shots yeah so you sometimes he'll go for like 25 and like i'm talking the nba level sometimes he'll go for 25 and he'll do it on 24 shots and you're like okay i mean score 25 and like you you kind of live with that um so he's tall he's like six six maybe even six seven in shoes now um so he's grown probably like two or three inches in the last year year and a half i don't think he's growing it much more because now it's about like where lonzo is and stuff so like you'd expect it to probably top out here he's really skinny though he's like mm-hmm. w- like he's bulked up to 182 like Ooh. that was like the instagram thing i was like i don't love six seven guys who are 182 like right like sh- sh- not to mention Shea again, but Shea's like 6'5", 180, 185. And, like, you couldn't put him on Harden in the playoffs defensively, even though Shea's an incredible defender. Yeah. Really couldn't put him on James Harden, the best player. Like, Lou Dort, one, not to have a Lou Dort thing, but, like, <laughs> Pro just Lou like Dort podcast. Phys- physically, Lou Dort can hang with guys. Yeah. Shea, defensively, is really good in the regular season. Or, like, in certain playoff matchups. Lamelo, one defensively atrocious, but then from just the frame-wise, offensive uh, perspective or defensive perspective, I'm worried that like he's putting on like maybe ten more pounds, and like, and, that's, like it. that's it. That's yeah. it. That's all for him. Yeah, he's not and, like a weight room guy. No, I don't think so. And so like even if he could put on like 
God, it sounds like a lot though, like 25, 30 pounds that gets them up to like where Hayes is. Yeah. And like, that's saying a lot. Cause I'd like to think if you were playing professionally for multiple years, while it's not as consistent as Hayes, like you would have figured something out by now about yeah. that. Like right. playing, like putting on weight and he, he hasn't. So that concerns me a bit. Um, so his weaknesses more so though, they're not like skill based. Like the shot needs work. Still. Does the okay, so that was gonna be my question for you for this for Lamello. His shot looks off to me. Like it doesn't look like he's It's almost, not the exact same as Lonzo's, but they're like it's like he, no one no one ever hands. taught anyone in the family how to shoot. No one ever taught it, them how to shoot the ball. It took Lonzo like what, this is year three in the NBA four? Four? Yeah, four now. To like get like a, a better looking shot. It's gonna be the same thing with Lamello. Like, it's going to take a handful of years in the NBA to iron it out. He brings the ball way too low. It's He doesn't he can't, like, catch and shoot quickly, in my opinion. Off the dribble, like, the reason you see him take, like, these 35-footers is because if you actually put him in a pick-and-roll semi-close to the three-point line where a defender's naturally close to you then, he can't get it off. That's why he takes such deep threes, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so that concerns me is, like, and the NBA, if you're an actually good shooter, people will pick you up there now. And if you're not a good shooter, they'll let you take it because you're going to miss it. And uh, that's where I'm worried. He's, he he thinks he's a good shooter, and they're like, oh, they're not picking me up. But, like, you actually aren't. Yeah. And one, it's a low percentage shot for guys that aren't Trey Young and, yeah. like, Damian Lillard. And everyone like else, it's, every, yeah. yeah. Everyone else, it's, like, a bad shot. It, yeah. like, truly is a bad shot. For, like, a very select few guys, though, it's a good shot. He's not in that category. I don't think he's ever going to be in that category. Because you're right, the mechanics are garbage. Like, he turns his body. It's, like, obviously not, like, Michael Kidd Gilchrist or anything, like, right. turning his body. But We're not talking about, like, Sh- Mary, Sean Marion, like, ch- yeah. passing the ball to like, the rim. There's enough there to where, like, okay, this could be a decent shot. But I, I worry about him even as, like, a catch-and-shoot guy. Whereas, like, if his guy plays off of him, and then, you know... Within the like whatever team he goes to, the point guard penetrates the lane, passes it out to him. Like, can he just like catch cleanly, go up and shoot before like a defender can recover and give a good contest? I'm like actually worried about that. Now maybe he's so tall and lengthy that if you have a smaller guy guarding him, he can still rise up over him and get the shot off. But if you're playing him as more of a two, then all of a sudden NBA twos are like six five, six six. Right, the it's, same height. It's not six three guys over in Australia anymore yeah. who like wouldn't sniff the NBA. So that's where I get a bit concerned with him, as well as with the mental side. I was saying with Hayes, like he's not a good defender right now, but like I think he could be. Lamelo probably could be, but like he legitimately like gives up buckets like in the half court because he's like I'm gonna tie my shoe right now. Like, or he's like legitimately just he's like like the James Harden type of defender. Yeah, just like, like the early James Harden, like yeah. we overly criticized, but like we weren't wrong. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. just like not paying attention to what straight you're up not paying yeah. attention. No, he gives up. I mean, he had to have given up at least ten points a game on just that. Like he just wasn't paying attention at all. Let alone like times like he was paying attention and the guy just scored on him. Yeah, like I am very worried that like he he might put up twenty five by like year two in the nba point points per game but he's giving up 30 like just his yeah, guy is right. going to put up 30 yeah so whoever Lomelo is yeah right like if you're playing sacramento De'Aaron fox is scoring 22 on him and Corey joseph is coming in and scoring another eight to ten on him like just him 
like, Corey Joseph just <laughs> averaging. Yeah. Like his averages just look amazing. Like some team convinces themselves and <laughs> Corey Joseph again. Because every time they play whoever LaMelo's on, they just go at LaMelo. Like he's going to get hunted on defense. Yeah. Like his entire rookie deal. He's going to get hunted. And for some reason, I don't feel like it's going to get better as mm-hmm. like his career goes on. If it gets better... What it's going to look like is the Russell Westbrook defense of he's going to get steals and rebounds, if you consider rebounds defense. He's going to get steals and rebounds because he jumps random ones, and you're like, oh, wow, look at that, and he gets transition dunk, and it looks really cool, but it's like you didn't watch the six layups he just gave up Behind going for them, steals yeah. like on the previous possessions. On a social media highlight, it's going to look cool, essentially. Yeah, but if you actually watch the game, you're like, why is he a negative 14 for the game? <laughs> It's like, well, because he just gives up open threes and layups because he's too busy, you know, looking to leak out in transition or jumping a steal that, like, was not even close to being there. So that's where he could get smarter on defense. And for guys who have good vision on offense as a passer, I'd like to think they could see things on defense as well. But, like, we know that doesn't always happen. If he could get to, like, Ricky Rubio level of defense, like, you're not a good defender. But at least you, like, can be in the right spot and, like, you don't do terribly dumb things. Like, that's a win. Yeah. Like, he's not going to be, like, a strong, like, Harden in the post ever. But, like, Harden's competent now for that reasoning. If he could be competent in the Ricky Rubio way on defense, that's a win for LaMelo. Mm. And so teams, he needs spacing um, around him because I don't think he's a good shooter like Killian Hayes, like, actually is. And then that he needs teams that play defense. He's he's going to be the worst defender out there for his entire rookie contract every single time he plays. So he needs teams that play defense. And so it's kind of a similar list. Like, because if you look at the top of the draft, I mean, Minnesota doesn't play defense at all. So, I I mean, they would legitimately give up 150 points a game, right? Like, if they put him on that team with well, Russell and telling, Towns. you're telling me D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are great defenders? Yeah, so there, there's that issue. Charlotte, again, yeah. just train wreck. Chicago doesn't need another guard to put with Zach Levine and Kobe White. You know, Cleveland, we're not, we can't draft another guard, Can right? We? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> they might, you know, Atlanta, they can't put him next to Trey Young. Oh my like, god. That's a that's disaster. A disaster. <laughs> They're already giving up 140. <laughs> oh my god. So, you know, and that's the thing, like who you're taking off, like Kevin Herter. At least Kevin Herter can shoot. You know, and then we start getting into like Detroit, yeah. putting him next to Luke Kennard. Now is Luke Kennard that important? Maybe not, but you're putting him next to Derek Rose. You know, for at least this year, not not good. New York. Please don't put him in New York. Please oh don't. I, I can't get on I'm gonna have to delete Bleacher Report. <laughs> If he goes to the Knicks, right? It's going to be bad. And then Washington at nine. I, Wall and Beal, you can't put them there. Yeah. Like Unless you're off one of them. Yeah. At, it doesn't sound like that's happening. Yeah. And then Phoenix at 10. Oh, you can't put him next to Devin Booker, right? So all yeah. of a sudden it's like, I think Golden State, again, would be nice for him. Because it's like he'd probably get humbled real fast. Because that's the actually only good team in the top ten. Yeah. And again, at least you have Clay and Draymond in the lineup with you now. Steph's like again, what we said, not good on defense, but he's kind of gotten to like that Ricky Rubio level of defensive competency now. But I'm still worried about that defensively. But if you can have him come off the bench and be like, "Look, dude, you you better get in like line here, yeah, because this is not your show yeah. anymore." Draymond would put him in as yeah. So I'd like to think that would work ish but i'm worried 
I I love him on any of like the late lottery teams. Okay. But nice. besides Sacramento, don't put him in Sacramento. But everyone else, I'm like, okay, this could work here. Is someone willing to move up to get him? Maybe. I would love him to go to Orlando. Because mm. that literally that's all I do is play defense, right? And then there's enough offense there with Gordon and Vucevic. Not quite the spacing you need, but Terrence Ross, Avon Fournier, like oh, you know Markel. If you're not still sure about that experiment, you know what? That could work. They'd have to trade up to get there, obviously, because there's no way he's falling that far. But that could work. That could definitely work. Yeah, I like it. So uh, we kind of want to run through. I want to give you a quick rapid fire questions Very quick. on who's the best with what skills. Yeah. Right. So shooting. Hayes. Creation. Probably Lamelo is about better dribbler. Passing. Lamelo. Defense. I think. Hayes. <laughs> Consistency. Hayes. Ceiling. Lamelo. If if it works, it's Lamelo. Yeah, that's, I, that's I feel right. better about Hayes hitting like an eighty percent ceiling. Yeah, but if Lamelo hits his hundred percent ceiling or ninety percent ceiling, higher. yeah, yeah, I follow, I track with that, I like that. So moving on from tier one, moving on to tier two, uh, you have this listed as big upside, big downside. Yeah. So in this category, I'm gonna botch his name, Kyra. Yeah, I nailed it, Kyra Lewis, Cole Anthony. And Tyrese Maxey. So let's talk about it. Let's get into it. These all these all should be lottery guys. So that's that's like the other designation. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. the other idea here. So like somewhere in that probably like 7 to 15, 16-ish range is where these guys should go. Um, we'll go. So Kyra Lewis, guard from Alabama. Weird. He played two years there. But his first year, call it his freshman year, he was the age of a high school senior. Okay. So he's young. So he's he played two years, but he's only so the like, age of like a normal freshman, like nineteen twenty. Yeah, like he's legitimately nineteen. And you know, right. I don't know, I don't know his birthday. Maybe he's turned twenty already. But like, if he normal draft year, he's not be, like twenty one. Yeah. No, no, no. He was not the twenty year old freshman. So that's cool. He played two years at Alabama, but he's like the age of a freshman. Um, super fast. I mean, that's his thing: is speed, quickness, end to end, um, guard. All he was freshman year was he, run, 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 transition. This past year grew significantly in the half court, which was something desperately wanted for him last year. He could have come into the draft last year, I think, um, but I, I he was like a late first, if if anything. Um, so I really like his growth. Just for the sake of this draft, I think he's an underrated shooter. Like he doesn't get enough appreciation for it. I'm not gonna act like he had wild percentages, but like he's a good shooter. He's like he's good. Um, he gets to the rim easily. You know, the SEC may have been the best basketball conference. They be- they definitely had the best athletes because um, it's the SEC. But he he gets to the rim with ease. Um, very nice with the ball in his hands. Uh, his body's filling out still. He's kind of that like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, I swear last year he was like 155 pounds. This year, <laughs> I think he's somewhere in that like 170 to 180 now. Um, I feel actually fairly confident about him like being 175 at least. Um, so that that's nice. I wish it was bigger, of course, but definitely growth there. Um, he has to get stronger. Obviously, you can't be that small in the NBA. You mm. just, just straight up, you yeah. can't. Um, he's got to get stronger, but he has, 
in a in a year at Alabama, so that that gives me confidence he will continue to do that. Um, I think he's got to learn how to play off ball. Okay. And I don't think it's that he can't do it. It's just like he's just had the ball at Alabama for two years now because like they had Colin Sexton, and then he left, and so then since he's left, it's been the Kyrie Lewis show. Um, so the NBA level, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed if he was like just your point guard, but if he wants long term. I think if he wants to like be a part of like a great team, he would have to get off ball at some point, mm. like at least partially off ball. Yeah. Um, and then again, theme here, defense. Just it's it's all the steals thing. Like, go for steals, get in transition. I mean, it fits his game, but the NBA level, like it just doesn't work anymore. You, you got to learn how to like play defense. And Staying again, from some because yeah. you're just gonna be hunted. Yeah, and like again, it's gotten slightly better from year one to year two at Alabama, but it's not good obviously and so i think the big thing with me with this guy is i would not be shocked if he ends up being like the best guard in this draft Ooh. um i think it's just like he does a lot of things well and things he doesn't do well it's mostly about like defense yeah and i i just think in an nba like you can if steph curry can get better at it you can get better at it right and yeah. that's kind of just where i'm at like you can at least be good enough now, is he going to be, like, the live off-ball shooter that, like, Hayes or maybe LaMelo could be? Um, maybe not. But in catch-and-shoot, I think he's good. And I think if you go under screens, like, way too much and play a drop coverage against him, he can hit those threes. Like, the pretty, like, Stand still. like step into yeah. it, easy one step. No one's, like, within, like, four feet of you. I think he can do that. It's not, like, wild, wild step-backs. Mm. Um, like Killian Hayes can do, but like that's okay. You don't take him in the top like five because of it. But if we look back in, you know, six years, be like, oh, Kyrie Lewis, like he probably should have gone like four. Yeah, and you know, other guys could have gone one, two, three, whatever. Um, but that's the thing with him. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I think I like him just a slight bit more than everyone else. But like most people have him in that ten to twenty range. So like okay. me having him in like eight to twelve, like isn't unheard of. Um. He needs a team that will give him time to develop and that wants to get up and down. Like, that wants that change of pace. Um, so, like, teams that are slow right now, like Detroit and New York, I would actually be cool with them taking him because they're not winning now. Just mm-hmm. straight up, they're not. Yeah. Kind of um, take their time with him. Yeah. Let him develop. And also, like, it, their offense is just so slow and methodical right now to the point, like, it doesn't work. I actually think, like, an infusion <clears throat> of life and speed, like, teams need that. You know, it's almost like the Kobe White effect for Chicago. It's like, they just need someone to, like, kick him into gear. Yeah. And I think he could kind of have that effect. Where, like, maybe if you don't want to start him day one, fine. But, like, by, like, game 40, I think he'd be the starter there. And, like, it'd kind of work. I mean, it's kind of like the Goran Dragic thing that yeah. we were talking about. It's like, they, he got them into gear. Like, yeah. the heat offense. It's like... You kind of need that type it's of It's okay, player. like, when Harrow's playing the pseudo one, but it's different when Goron's out there. Yeah. Because yeah. he can get you into your offense and yeah. do all that sort of stuff. So I like him in those places. I like him in Phoenix. Bring him in as the backup for a year with Rubio, and then, like, let Rubio walk. Because um, that roster's going to get expensive soon. I like him there. The Pelicans are, like, the match made in heaven for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if he gets to the Pelicans, but he might. Um boston if they want a backup guard yeah. uh i i like that again the magic 
just to put him either next to Markel or be done with Markel. Um, I I don't think he's going to get any of these other three teams unless they trade up, but Philly, Miami, Utah. Okay. Again, kind of for Philly, he'd probably just start because otherwise it's just Shake Milton. <laughs> you know, I love Shake, but, you know. And then Miami, Utah, it's like development for a year. Mm. And then, I mean, who knows? Goran might not even come back for Miami. And Mike Conley has like a year or two left. And so develop him for a year or two and then let him take over. Um, I would like any of those situations, but they probably have to move up to get him. Yeah. So Yeah. Um, Trade some people. Yeah. But again, I really like the kid. I really like him. I like the more I watch him, the more I like him. So Nice. And Alabama, it's not like Alabama was great either. Better so than like, Colin Sexton coming into the draft? You know, Colin Sexton's really developed um, into, like, a good player. I think I like him more than Sexton coming okay. to the draft. yeah. But, like, Sexton now is, like, a, a, a much better player because yeah, he like, sure. kind of learned how to shoot. Yeah, he can so. shoot and kind of defend. There's that one yeah, of him. <laughs> the bug eyes, yeah, like, arms to... wide and all. Yeah. Um, like, and Lewis, like, he doesn't have that level of motor, but... You know, that Colin Sexton looks like he's like drank four monsters before being <laughs> on the court. So I don't know if that's even a good thing. Um, so then the next guy, Cole Anthony. So obviously was like one of the top recruits in the country. Went to North Carolina. I don't blame him for going to North Carolina because it's North Carolina. God awful team. Yeah, like they were bad. Like they legitimately only have like one other player on that roster that was like, you might sniff the NBA. Like, that's it. That was the weird thing. Like, I checked on them mid-year. I was like, oh, UNC's normally pretty good. And they were like 500. I was like, what's going on no. here? And, like, so, like, Cole Anthony got hurt, and it went down the toilet at that point. Yeah. Um, like, if you watch them during certain points of the year with him in the game, you're like, you know what? This team isn't bad. But then, as the season went on, and if you watch them, like, multiple times, that's when you really started noticing, like, oh, this team, there's so many holes, like, on the guard and wing they're like the only other guys that might like sniff the nba are like bigs yeah for them and, and when your next best guy is a big that might sniff the nba it's you're like, screwed it's not a good formula for winning in college yeah basketball. um and i like garrison brooks shout out garrison brooks but like you know he's just a guy who might find his way to like the 14th man on an nba roster one day yeah. like that's all it was and so cole anthony was in an impossible situation is it his fault for picking to going there maybe but you don't turn down North Carolina very often. Super tough guy, loves to attack. He's it's it's that like that Russell Westbrook mentality. Like that's this style of play. The why he's, not? Yeah, he's not as athletic as Westbrook, but he can get up for sure. Um, he wants to dunk on everyone for Love sure. It. He wants to like hit ridiculous step backs in your face. Now sometimes though, sometimes doesn't take good shots. By sometimes I mean like. All two out of every three shots are not a good shot but he takes them um and so you do legitimately have to question his decision making on the court but the one narrative i heard throughout the year was is he like kind of like a bad dude than like a dude you want on your team i think that's false because like when he was out i watched a couple of north carolina games just for the fun of it it was awful um <laughs> Like, he's, like, legit on the sidelines, like, clapping, high-fiving, like, being a teammate. And then when he came back, there was an infusion into that team. So, like, they liked playing with him. He's not a bad guy at all. It's just, like, he probably just felt the need to do too much. 
and I totally get that because I mean like I yeah that was gonna be my question they lost like every ACC game they played this year basically yeah that was gonna be my question for you is like is some of that awful decision making based on him getting the feeling that he has to do everything for this team and try and get them back in the March Madness race and trying to win games late in the season and all that stuff. Yeah, because they legitimately, like, what, they finished the year 14 and 19, 6 and 14 in ACC play. That's bad. Like, I, you know, I can't tell you the last time North Carolina was, like, that awful. And they were legitimately awful. Yeah. Um, I, I like to think that if he gets into NBA spacing... And then also, like, in a position to where he's, like, the third or fourth best player for your team out on the court, like, long-term, like, you're in a good spot then. I would I would like to think with his tenacity and, and style of play, he would play better defense. Right now it's not there. But, again, he's one of those LaMelo high, high-profile guys. He's never really been asked to. Um, so I think if you get an NBA system – He's going to look to get better. Like I don't think he wants to shoulder the burden, like of an entire franchise. Yeah. Like because he just watched it in North Carolina and was like, "This doesn't work." Now he sometimes plays like it still because he doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. But I think like he would actually be very willing to learn and fill a role from just what I've seen. Some teams have him in about the same range as I do. Some teams are like. Hey, if he's still there with my second round pick, I'd take him. Oh, that's a range. That, that is a range. Um, it's just, what are you willing to invest into him? Yeah. Like, are you going to give him that time and, like, stability or not? If you're not going to give him the stability in an organization, then don't take him. But, like, I would... I, I can see, like, the Pistons or Knicks taking him just because they're, like, dynamic guard. Mm. Ball in your hands. You can do this. Is it the best fit? No. But he fills a role like that they desperately need. Again, I like him more in that like Suns to Jazz conversation we just had with Kyrie Lewis. Okay. That's more where I like him. Um probably not starting and then in like a year or two after you've like learned how to be a professional, you're like in a good spot. That's more where I like him. But I mean the Jazz are picking like what, twenty three ish? So like that's yeah. that's a pretty good slide from Top 10, 10 to 10 to 12. Yeah. Yeah. So like I get that. And like that's a that's a big range. You know, a, a dozen spot range is pretty significant. But it's it's just do you believe in the shooting and or not? That's ultimately what it comes down to because the percentages look bad, but if you watch the tape yeah, of course the percentages look bad. He's getting triple teamed, and he's taking you know step back threes. Yeah, at the, bu- at the shot clock. To yeah, try to get the because they're like you literally won't pass it to anyone else because there's no one on this team worth passing to. Yeah. So and also North Carolina don't love their system anyway. Like it doesn't translate well to NBA. Like Kobe White Struggles. looked semi good at North Carolina only because he was so fast, and they had a slightly better team last year. So, like, they didn't, like, this team didn't even have, like, a Luke May, who's, like, just your traditional, white good college basketball player. <laughs> you didn't even have that. So, that's why, like, I'm I'm slightly worried about him as a pro, but not as worried as some teams. And the last guy in this tier, real quick, Tyrese Maxey. Kentucky, like, the stereotype of, like, you know, big-time guard, all that jazz, coming out of Texas. Combo guard more than a point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. 
yeah, I, I wouldn't say you want him bringing the ball down the floor and getting into your offense, like, every possession. Like, sometimes, sure. Um, maybe, like, not that he's the same player, like, when CJ does it for Portland. Okay. It's like, you yeah. know, you don't want him doing it every time. But, like, you know, if you need him to do it for, like, a four-minute stretch, cool. Fine. Um, he does everything good and nothing great. And some teams don't know how to handle that. And I'm not sure if I quite do either. But, again, if you feel like you can just put him in a good spot, then maybe it works. He had a weird year at Kentucky because he was, like, playing the three, even though he's, like, 6'3", 190. Because Kentucky played three point guards and two centers. Like, that was their starting lineup. And it was the most college basketball thing in the world. Um, Ashton Hagens can't shoot their starting point guard, but he's a great defensive player. Um, Emmanuel quickly scored, like, 20-plus points a game for them um, because his shot went in, and he is a second-year guy there. Ashton Hagens, multi-year guy there. Um, so it kind of naturally bumped Maxi to the three because he was the only one strong enough to guard threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also played two centers. Like I said, EJ Montgomery shouldn't sniff the NBA ever, <laughs> ever, please. And then Nick Richards, who, like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone took at the end of the second round. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone did. I have him more in, like, the 80s for this draft. So, okay. Um, so you played with nothing worthwhile. Emmanuel quickly to me is like a late second round pick. Like he's going to go in like the forties or fifties. Um, Higgins isn't going to get drafted either. He's like that seventies to eighties tier on my board. So he didn't have a good team around him. It didn't fit stylistically. John Calipari tried with that team. It didn't work. It was just the wrong set of guys. And like, that's okay to admit. I think they kind of got bailed out of not having a tournament this year because that was going to be an upset. Okay. That was that was around one upset. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so I think if you put Maxi as like a one or two next to like, if it's a one, he better be playing next to a Devin Booker. If okay. he's a two, you have some more flexibility um, with who you have around him. But I, I like him because he does play defense. Like this is like okay. the one guy we've got nice. to like, he'll, he'll play defense. He'll try really hard on that end. And then he's obviously shown in a year at Kentucky, he's, he'll he'll be willing to take spot-up threes. Does he need to get better at it? Yeah. But, like, the shot looks fine. The percentage was just low. Part of it's just, obviously, his game has always been driving and then creating the outside shot, and he couldn't drive because every team just packed the paint against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't ever get a rhythm going on offense. He had big moments against, like, Michigan State start the year. If you didn't watch their opener against Michigan State... Just go watch like the last four minutes of it, and you understand why Tyrese Maxey's a first-round pick. Um, so he's a guy that he's going to fall a bit, and someone's going to get him in that like thirteen to twenty-two-ish tier, and then we're all going to look back and be like, "Why did he fall that far?" Um, so that's why I think again the Suns. If you put him next to Devin Booker, I mentioned that one. Again, Pelicans to take over the Drew spot eventually. Again, Celtics, Magic. Mavs would also make yeah, sense for him. Another, another creator uh-huh. there. Um, again, Philly might work. I don't love it, but it might work. Miami, Denver would be another nice one to eventually move off of Gary Harris. And then Utah. Again, okay. so I'll, again, provide him a role. Right. A, a reasonable role, not the one Kentucky did. And I think he'll be fine at the NBA level. Again, it's just, I wish he did one thing great. If he could do one thing great, I would feel so much better about him. Probably have him above Cole Anthony. But for right now, just because of Anthony's upside, I'm going to leave Anthony ahead of him and like on my big board. But I get why Maxi will work in the NBA. 
Makes sense. So we're going to do the same thing like we did yeah. with Tier 1. So best shooter out of this group. I want to give it to Lewis. Ooh, best create creator. I think Lewis consistently will be the best creator. Anthony has a potential, but I think Lewis. Okay, passing. I, I'm going to go Lewis again. Defense? Maxi. Okay. Consistency. This is Lewis or Maxi. I'm going to give it to Lewis just because I think consistency on offense matters too. That's a fair point. And then the ceiling overall. It's definitely Cole Anthony. If Cole Anthony hits, we're going to be like, why wasn't he a top five pick? Mm. If he doesn't work and he's out of the league by the end of his rookie deal, yeah. <laughs> That's yep. about right too. Yep. So, um, son of Greg Anthony there. Uh, Doing broadcasting with yeah. his dad yeah. soon, right? That'd be cool, right? We we have like the Van Gundy brothers. <laughs> we have like a father-son thing here. Um, I don't... Yeah. Cole Anthony, please stay in the NBA. Um, <laughs> so the next couple groups, the one's a bit bigger because it's like the end of first round group. Yeah, and tier three. Yeah, and then tier four best. is just real quick, guys. So we'll go a little quicker through these guys since I... Obviously, most teams are if they're changing their franchise, it's in the lottery. It's the but, top guys. But it's there, the... there's some guys here also that they'll stick in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. So you in this group, you have Trey Jones, Peyton Pritchard, Terrell Terry, Tyrese Halliburton, and Malachi Flynn. Yeah, just right off the bat, I'm not talking about him first, but Halliburton. Some people love him. Some people have him at like five so is i was gonna ask you i couldn't remember if it was maxi or halberton who like reconfigured his shot and it looked like he was shooting it that like, little wrist thing i sent you yeah it was, was like, it was like he was like throwing it throwing the medicine ball oh. at the rim so i mean i don't love 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 to trust like the offseason like random videos that come out for like hyping guys up it's like one on chair right we talk about that like yeah a lot of guys i can i can go out and and hit 20, 20 shots you know 20 sure. out of 43s with no defender out there um tyrese halberton definitely has changed his shot a bit and i already didn't like it and i like it even less now <laughs> like it i saw him working out like josh green and josh green is a wing from uh arizona again not the greatest shooter but at least it like looks semi-normal halberton's now just like it you know, i don't care if it goes in or not doesn't look good and so when you're playing one on no, it'll go in. When you're playing in college against a bunch of nobodies, it goes in. When you get to the NBA and you gotta take two steps back at three point line and you're being guarded, it's not going in. Not not going in. Um, so I'm very worried, and we'll talk about him here in a minute. We'll go Trey Jones first. Trey Jones out of Duke, great defender, on and off ball. Again, he's that you know Patrick Beverly without the mouth um, type of guy. Really enjoy him. One on your team, not a starter. Most likely, but I want him on my team. Offensively, good good decision maker, good uh, good passer. If he was in, coming into the NBA ten years ago, he'd be going ten slots higher. But mm, you know, twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> biggest question is jumper. Freshman year, three point percentage was in the twenties. Beginning of this year, was in the twenties, low thirties, and then last good chunk of the year really started figuring something out it got to a respectable-ish percentage. And so if you think that he actually learned how to shoot, he's a first-round pick. If you aren't convinced that he can shoot, take him at, like, 
30 or uh 20 27 to 40 okay. if you don't think he can shoot that's where yeah. you take him if you think you can shoot take him somewhere between 17 and 27 um i think it's good enough on catch and shoots i think that's where i've fallen with it i think it's good enough slash it'll continue getting better for catch and shoots he played two years at duke um so he's not old um but he's not a freshman you know take that for what you will I'm, I'm not huge on the oh he's a freshman you get like you instantly give him more value because one some freshmen now are like 20 21 um and sometimes if it's not projectable then i don't care <laughs> so his as least gotten better so again for teams again that just need like a defensive guard around them um celtics blazers Ooh. mavs Ooh. nets heat nuggets jazz bucks again good teams just need to fill a role as a defensive guard and you'll play off ball just be ready to catch and shoot that's all i need you to do initiate the offense coming yeah. off the bench dribble yeah sure dribble the ball down the court call the play trey jones can definitely do that um like he made duke probably look better than they were this year so i i like that um for that team because that team had a higher expectations for their rookie or their freshman class that didn't really come through but yet they were still kind of good i credit that a lot to trey jones um so that makes me think he'll definitely stay in the nba for a long time uh it's just gonna be in a specific role yeah but the role is out there for him to be filled um peyton pritchard i like him more than most i think i'm closer to having him in that like 18 to 25 grouping yeah i think right now on my big board he's somewhere around like 21 okay some people don't know they question the athleticism and so they have him more in that like 40s Mm. number so, four-year guy, played at Oregon. So, if you didn't watch a lot of Oregon, because West Coast, late games, I get it. Um, you missed out. Wins a ton. Gets a lot of buckets. And part of what also, it's like a weird thing that I like him for, is Oregon is notorious for turnover on their basketball team. Like, every year they have eight new guys. Because they recruit so many transfers and JUCOs. Mm. That, like, he never gets to play with, like, the same semi-starting lineup, like, year to year. So, he's played with more teammates than anyone else, like, basically in the history of college basketball. That's crazy. So, and they're always in the tournament, and they're always, like, a top 20 team. Frisky. Yeah, Yeah, they're always good. Um, So, he has an unlimited range. The dude pulls up from everywhere, and I love it. Um, Love it. Like, LaMelo thinks he can shoot from 35 feet. Payne Pritchard knows he can shoot from 35 <laughs> feet. Um, there it is. There's that jab. Yeah, there it is. Um, but he really can. He really yeah. can. He he hits ridiculous shots. And not just, like, the walk it up the court shot. Like, the like I'm going to come off a high pick and roll. And you know what? I'm going to pull it. <laughs> and it goes in. Um, his best skill, though, even though I think he's a, a like, legit 40% three-point shooter at the NBA level is running an offense so if you're looking for like that you know fifth starter just to bring the ball up and get you going or like your first bench guy he'll a hundred percent be able to do it at the nba level i'm like super confident in that and he tries on defense like he's like 62 190 so smallish yeah but he's not skinny like he looks fair like thick in a good way okay um and so well he's not the biggest yeah he's always not the biggest guy you know i don't think he's going to get super hunted on the defensive end semi but not like overly um he's never played off ball which if that's a worry to you i get but it's because oregon never had anyone else that could dribble 
so he always had to be the one handling the ball. Um, the way he shoots, though, I'd be confident in him playing off ball. Like, in, like, the Luka Doncic-type situations where, like, Seth Curry, you know, like, he can dribble the ball at the court and all, and, like, he can get you going. But, like, ultimately, like, him playing off ball is, like, probably a good thing. Peyton Pritchard, I don't know if it's quite that extreme, because I think he can do more on ball. Okay. Um, than, like, a Seth Curry can. Yeah. But if you guys say, go stand over there and just wait for me to pass it to you and hit it, yeah, that's fine. I think it's cool. He just hasn't had to do it before. Um, should go to a win-now situation. Yeah. I'd, okay. I'd, there's yeah. no reason for the bad teams to pick him up. Like, because he still might come off the bench because you're like, I'm going to play the project over him. And then it's just going to be a weird dynamic. Just go somewhere good. So my Mavs are like the favorite um, team for him. But then Nets as a backup guard to Kyrie would be nice. Um, Philly, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he would start as their fifth guy because he can shoot. Um, so that's cool for that team. Jazz, Bucks, the Celtics have the later picks also around 26 and 30. Raptors, um, I think would be a nice guy off the bench for them. Um, the Pacers would have to trade into the first round, but I think the Pacers would be a really nice pick for um, nice. him. So again, win-now situations. Uh, Tyrell Terry, Best skill shooting, reasonable passer, played at Stanford this year. Very under the radar guy, was like a four-star guy out of Minnesota. So how he got out of the state of Minnesota, don't know. Um, <laughs> maybe he just didn't want to stay in Minnesota, which I don't blame him. That's fine. Um, you know, um, like him and Zeke Naji, who was a big that went to Arizona. I have him as first-round pick also um, from Minnesota. Trey Jones from Minnesota. Trey Jones from Minnesota. Um, Matthew Hurt, who was like a top-ten freshman. He went to Duke. I didn't love him, but he's a stretch four, stretch five. Um, again, all these guys from like the same area, a lot of them play on the same AAU team together. So how these guys all got out of Minnesota, or even the Big Ten, crazy. Um, anyway, so Tyrell Terry, definitely grown. So that's the big thing on him is I had him as like an early second round pick um, because he was like legitimately like 6'1", 160. Okay. Small, but you know, it's the flashes of like, dang, he can shoot. And that's what drew everyone in. Apparently now from like actual sources, not just like random social media, as he's like closer to 6'3 now and more like 170, 175. So I was like, okay, so you've legit put on weight and they say he's grown. So if if he's legitimately 6'3, 175, and I don't think he's getting taller. Like it's hard to project guy getting taller, but you can put on muscle. Yeah. If he can get to six three one eighty five in like three years at the NBA level, like now he's like a starter. Yeah. Um. So he's he, of all this group, he's the project there. But the shooting is like the NBA skill. Like it's legit range. It's better catch and shoot. Like, but you can definitely run him off screens. Um. I think that's really nice. So he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to shoot. Um. He's gonna get just absolutely crushed on the defensive end though like more than probably any other guy on, on this group he's going to get hunted because he it's not just that he's small he's skinny and yeah. like he i think he's a smart ish defender but like he just it's gonna get hun- like it's, pick and roll yeah. late game like you can't all play. all day all day um so he's kind of that same grouping of guys like maybe the magic take him just for the shooting but I realistically, it's not like Nets to late Celtics pick. Somewhere in there. Again, I like him more in the 20s. Some people like him in the teens, like early teens. 
I can't get there. If he played one more year at Stanford and like legitimately showed some of these things, like a better body overall and a better handle, because I don't think it's like awesome. I think it's, I think it's good. It's not awesome. If, if he showed that, I would have him as like a top 10 guy. But he's not there for me yet. I get why some people, though, convinced him to come out. He was legit thinking about going back to Stanford because the draft is what it is this year. Him coming out was a good thing. If he if it was a normal draft, I, I don't know if he's a first-round pick. Maybe like 25-ish, but I don't think he would have actually been a first. So um, this year probably played well for him overall and not having a late-season um, college basketball. Mm. Stanford probably helped also. Last two, Halliburton. I'm way lower. I said that. I'm way lower on him. Played at Iowa State. I watched him for two years at Iowa State. I can't get there. Yeah. I just, I can't. Some people love him to death. I, again, he's one of those 10 years ago top 15 pick. 100% certain on that. Definitely can run a team. It's his best skill. He can run a team. He can make a lot of passes. Most passes, I would say, at an NBA level. I, not like I wouldn't call him an elite passer, but he's a really, really, really good passer. Obviously, to, it's the jump shot. The jump shot looks terrible. Listen, if I was drafting someone just based on jump shots, that guy's like 60th overall. For yeah, me. no, <laughs> like, like it's it's bad. it's bad, bad. Um, I don't know Devin Vassell, a wing out of Florida State, who was like should be like a 15ish type top guy. He did something to hit jump shot now. And I'll show you that video after. It's bad. Um, but Hal Burton's trying. Him and Vassell are competing for it now. Um, it's like all wrist. It's not a lot of movement from the legs. It's not a lot of movement in the arms. It it doesn't project to me at all. Like, I he looks like worse than like PJ Tucker shooting. Like, and PJ Tucker has a kind of a weird shot, but it goes in. Like, it's not even that good. Like, it's not, nothing's as bad as Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, but it's, like, this small step up from it, in my opinion. Oh, it, gosh. It's so bad. It went in, like, at Iowa State, though. But it's gotten worse since the season ended. Like, he's worked on it, obviously, with, like, some trainers, and it's gotten worse. Um, so I'm very worried about it. At Iowa State, I think everyone thought he was a good defender also. Last point on him, he's not a good defender. Ooh, like he, spicy take. So he's, like, 6'5". Okay. So maybe maybe 180. Okay. Um Smaller. so yeah, very wiry frame. Okay. And I tend to stay away from those guys. Um because the NBA, you can be big but wiry framed guys don't fill out well. Guys who it's like you're you just haven't had the opportunity to put on weight, that's one thing. But him, he's got like these big shoulders and yet in 2 years has put on no weight at mm. Iowa State. So I'm like, okay, that's that's a bit concerning. And then um, different reporters have like trying to get scoops on him, like how teams approached playing him. Pretty much every Big Twelve team was like, we went right at him. Like we like he he's actually an Iowa State team this year was terrible. He was like he legitimately was like the weakest link on defense. Is if he's your worst defender on an NBA floor? it's like okay because if like he can just play like center field but at the NBA level he's not going to get that opportunity to yeah. be like the center field just kind of roaming and like get steals like in a smart way like Lamelo does it in like not a smart way <laughs> this guy he does it in like a way that doesn't doesn't compromise his team 
But it's like, dude, that's like the LeBron James role. Yeah. Like, you don't get to do that. Elite-level defenders are doing this. Yeah. Like, like the best of the best. And they're like, I mean, teams like Oklahoma State were like, we just tell Isaac Likely to go right at him. And Isaac <laughs> Likely like, doesn't have a jump shot and still got to the rim on him. Right? Devon Dotson at Kansas doesn't have much of a jump shot. Still just goes right around him. So I think that's what teams kind of realized. Like, yeah, it looks like he should be a good defender. He's fine in, like, a team concept if you can hide him. So, like, regular season, you might be able to get away with him on on the floor on defense. But anything that's, like, a close game or a big game or a playoff game, it's not going to go well on that end. So, again, the Nets are, like, the earliest. And the Nets have, like, what, 19? I'm not so, pick, yeah. I'm not picking him above then at all. Some people want him in the top five. I, I don't know how you watch the jump shot and be like, that guy's on an NBA floor nowadays just I don't get it I would love for it to work for him I I can't I can't do it Ryan <laughs> I wish I could but I just can't do it um and then Malachi Flynn multi-year guard started at Washington State okay. ultimately transferred out went nice. to San Diego State played this year there um thrives in the pick and roll great pick and roll player I mean Taylor made for today's NBA just wish he was taller he's not he's in the, like that six one six two. 170 180 pound guy tough as nails though actually won defense player of the year in their conference um i probably shouldn't have actually but like he's like should have been like top three in that conference for like defense player of the year um really really smart defender um and while he's smaller he like doesn't get pushed around on ball so nba level he might still get pushed around because he is smaller but he's not going down without a fight and i can appreciate that at least um, on the defensive end, is he going to get to the run at the NBA level? I'm a little worried, but he can really shoot too. Again, he's got good range, NBA range. So if he's got to play off ball a bit, I think that's cool. Probably a career backup or like spot starter. But you know what? At, at this draft into the first round, last five picks of the first round, yeah, take him for sure. Again, basically everyone 15 through 30 that needs a shooter or just like for sure you know you just need a backup point guard like this is your guy this this can be your guy and work like if he he's kind of probably the last guy in that tier to me but if you told me he had the best career out of any of the five like i wouldn't be shocked at all like at all he's just one of those guys um overall i think i like pritchard still the best out of all of them trey jones probably is like the most definite like he's sticking around for eight years in the nba but I think if I had a team in this range picking, I would pick Peyton Pritchard. Okay. Um, Terry's the best shooter. Pritchard's the best creator. Best ha- passer. Halliburton may be the best passer. I might like Pritchard, though, honestly. Mm-hmm. Defense is Jones. Consistency is Pritchard. Ceiling's Terry. Okay. Yeah. If Terry works, Terry should be a 10-ish type guy. I'm just super worried about him. And last couple guys, give a shout out to Cassius Winston from Michigan State, Teo Maladon. Oh, thank you for saying that <laughs> name. I would have butchered um, that one so bad. Played for Tony Parker's team over in France. Interesting. Um, so, and again, he's a taller point guard, um, but a point guard for sure. Um, played for Tony Parker's team over there, so you know the Spurs won him for sure. Um, and then Grant Riller, two-star guy, um, coming out of high school, ended up at Charleston. Of course. Um, Definitely, like, blew out his knee, like, very early on there and had to redefine his game. But, like, it probably helped him. 
okay um overall because like you got to focus on the shot and by a senior year takes a lot of shots because he played at charleston and didn't have a much of a basketball team beyond him but um could definitely put the ball in the bucket so if you're betting on just a microwave score yeah sure go with why that. not yeah and cassius winston we know can run a team yeah so again maybe if you're like why would i waste a first round pick on uh pritchard or or jones or halliburton uh or flynn maybe you just wait it out and try and get winston in like the second round and like that's cool um i i just think those other guys can shoot better than winston and that's a difference but you know nba teams if you want a non-guaranteed deal you wait to the second round and see who's there and for the team like the lakers that's valuable for certain teams though that like they don't care about the cap no matter what or like they're just already under then you have some more flexibility in in the first round so a lot of these teams i know some of them want to wait on like the fred van fleets of the world to like because everyone thinks they're getting fred van fleet like detroit thinks they're getting him new york yeah. thinks they're getting him toronto thinks he's coming back a lot of people think they're getting fred van fleet there's only one fred van fleet so hate to break it to you most of you aren't getting it like they're they're good guards in this draft it's just a lot of them need a year or two to like legitimately be on the floor for 20 plus minutes which sucks but you know it's a it's a deep draft but it's a it's a weak top draft Mm. it's kind of like that uh which draft well i guess it was last year's draft that was kind of like top heavy and then really outside of that there was not like you like hated drafting like past 10 yeah whereas like this year i don't want to draft in the top 10 but i draft 10 through 50 pretty confidently yeah this year yeah so it's like the inverse of it yeah which some teams love it teams that are good at drafting love it and teams that like just take the biggest name are going to hate this draft (laughs) CC New York again, <laughs> again. Nice. Uh, <laughs> your point just a second ago just made me think that there was a tweet that came out this week that said the Kings are reportedly interested in Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> it's like yeah, every team is. Yeah, it's um, like I'm interested in the Houston GM job. <laughs> probably <laughs> not. Houston not doesn't yeah. know who I am. I'm interested in being the Celtics backup point guard. You know <laughs> what though. <laughs> probably not gonna work i gotta you know have a coming to jesus moment with some like someone sometime in the near future because it's not happening uh the kings are just hilarious (laughs) again and it's sad it breaks my heart a little bit anyways that is episode 40 thank you for listening what did you say episode what did i say 40 i think you said 40 (laughs) oh my god i meant 84 my mind's going going out uh it's episode 84 double of what i whatever just i said uh Anyways, this podcast has fallen off the rails all of a sudden. Uh, that was our guard preview for this upcoming yeah. draft. Super exciting. I guess this is still the 2020 NBA draft, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. This is like what most like freshmen, this would be their like, start of the sophomore year. Yeah, I know. Like, like legitimately, college has already started. Like We're in the college football season, like you mentioned. <laughs> like It's weird. It's and, really like, weird. These guys are like, I mean, I guess I've already left school. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, that's it for us. We'll see you back next week talking more draft preview stuff uh, about some wings. So we'll see you then in episode 85. Yeah.